Hi, welcome to Tangible Takeaways, episode 65. Glad you're joining us. I'm Brian Haney, and today I'm going to be talking a little bit about how Paul, the apostle who wrote the letter of the Philippians, finds Jesus popping out in the rest of Scripture. Hey, and I'm Todd, and I'm glad to be here with you today. And I'm going to talk about how the cross, this ultimate example of humiliation, is actually something in our everyday lives we actually exalt and lift up. And we'll see how that works out. Yeah. We're going to be talking about all of that stuff and more, so join us. Todd, thanks for being here. And Welcome, Brian. It's yeah, good to be here with you. do this with you. So this is a fun passage because uh, we both got to teach it this month. I was in yeah. a growth track class, and so that was really fun for those of you that were there. Um, but obviously the message was was good. Appreciate it. Thanks for Thank putting you. in the work. Um, want to explore a couple of things that we talked about um, in the message in the weekend, even in the notes that you had written down. One was this idea of the condescension of Jesus, mm. right? That Jesus condescended. You mentioned it, it wasn't in the notes, but you mentioned that. I remember writing it down. I have it here in my notes. We usually think of condescension as a really negative thing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. He was condescending to me. Right. Mm-hmm. Yes. And so I wanted to kind of explore that a little bit because obviously you used it in a positive way. Yeah. That Jesus came down in, in a way that was, was loving and humble. Um, which is a theme throughout this whole passage, right? Mm. This humility that we'll we'll talk about with unity. But explore that a little bit. Explain that mm. condescension thing and, and how that matters to us uh, as people that are trying to follow after Jesus. Yeah. Yeah, I think maybe one of the ways that we would think of the word condescending positively might be parent to child, right? Okay. Where you and I would be using this kind of language, and then all of a sudden I'm talking to a two-year-old, and I'm thinking about, I'm going to use words that are more basic. Right. I'll speak slower. I might, they might look at me quizzically and I might say it again. So the word condescension, though used often very negatively, has even in our everyday lives a practical, more positive way of thinking. And it's that idea of coming down to one's level right? to right. be able to communicate. And so if you take that very literally, then that's powerfully exactly what Jesus did. Right. We talk about this idea. What was so probably my favorite part of the weekend and the message was looking at that Isaiah passage and processing. This is who Jesus is. Almighty God. And yet he steps off of that place, that stature and status to be able to come down and and be encased in flesh and walk and live among us. And so that idea to meet us down where we are is just such a really cool concept and so powerful to me. Yeah, this idea of almost accessibility, right? Mm-hmm. He made he made understanding himself, made understanding God and, mm-hmm. and all of that very accessible yeah. because it was it was real. It was like us and it walked among us and obviously. And so we even thinking through that, I mean, Trinitarian realities, that is the triune Godhead is always, you know, a little elusive in our minds of, oh, that's exactly how it works. You're not saying that the father became the son, right? No, nothing like that. Yeah. But that the father and the son are both God. Yeah. They both share that same essence and nature. And so the reality of the son stepping into the creation, 
You know, that's why I think, I think even that parent to child illustration, we lose so much of the reality of what Jesus does because we can't make any comparison. It's, it's no big deal for adult an adult to speak to a two-year-old and, and condescend. But when the creator of the universe takes on flesh, and I just think the more that we think about this passage in Philippians 2 and process, that it is not just a better one of us or not just a religious right. teacher who is who Jesus is, but truly God Almighty, then I just think it gives us such a great appreciation that he would become one of us and ultimately to die to save us. Yeah. And you spoke about the the idea of, because that, that's all within the framework of empty himself. So I'm going to just read a couple mm-hmm. verses so we can kind of get our bearings on that. Um, it says, "Who in the in, in who being in the very nature of God did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man. He humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross." That, I mean, that's what you were just talking about, right? This condescending coming down um, from his right pope rightful position uh, of being god creator god yeah but you said he empty you know you talked about the emptying word the the kenosis the idea of being emptied or made himself nothing right that's the way some translations do it um I, that's what the niv calls it is made himself nothing the word can be translated as emptying you mentioned emptying of privilege and power explain that a little bit what do you mean by he was emptying himself of privilege and power um, is that just because people didn't know he was God or, or you know, kind of yeah. flesh that out a little bit? Yeah, I mean, think about the second member of the Trinity prior to coming to earth uh, in the form of a man. And was there ever a need for him to seek the Father's leadership in his mm-hmm. life like he did it, walking among us? Was there ever a need to feel the limitations of gravity and feel right. the limitations of just hum- humanhood, you know, in that. And so I think that sense of, of uh, position is such a, a, to me, a powerful one of saying, I am very God, but I'm not going to retain that privilege of, of in a sense, acting as though I am right. with all the things that go with being outside of time and space. But at the same time, even of power, I think that's what's so powerful to me about reading in the Gospels of Jesus. What is he constantly saying? I do what my Father shows Mm -hmm. me to do. So there's a sense of just significant following and obedience that is all throughout. And you're going, why did, if God himself in the person of Christ recognizes the need to follow and be obedient to the Father, how much more for us as human beings, what an example he is setting for us to go, you obviously deserve my obedience and submission. So I think even in that sense of the use of his power, still regulated by following in the submission to the Father. Yeah. His life. And even thinking through that, you know, going back to the example of a father and a child or, you know, parent and child, this idea of we restrain our power mm-hmm. as parents often mm-hmm. for the sake of our children so that they know uh, that what it is to be gracious, kind, loving, all of those things, right? And so we're not just relying solely on power to be the thing that people mm-hmm. remember, oh, that's why I need to listen. Yeah. 
And that's one of the most powerful things about this to me is this this idea that Jesus, who had every right to be exercising power, had every right to be acknowledged as the creator God of the universe, actually empties himself, actually, you know, lets that go. Yeah. It even, you know, the term considered it nothing to be grasped or used to his own advantage is the mm. way the NIV translated it. That is to be used so that people would recognize it. Yeah. Because as, you know, even as you mentioned throughout the Gospels, this this idea, people didn't know who Jesus was. Yeah. They didn't know that he was God. They actually became very frustrated that he made claims of godness somehow, right? When yeah. he healed people and all of that, he mm-hmm. said, your sins are forgiven. And they're like, wait a second, nobody does that. Yeah. So it's not a foreign idea for us, but it's something that has real world application to us to like not hold on to power, not hold on to privilege for the sake of others. And and, and you explored that a little bit, even in the idea of um, speaking in, you know, point one about unity, this idea of as members of God's family, live in unity with your brothers and sisters. And it seems to me that unity and, hu- and humility yeah. are just so seamed together, especially in this passage where we see this condescension and this humility of, of Jesus but they're seamed together in such a way. So how do you see that play out like in your everyday life, Todd? Yeah. That humility and unity. Yeah, and think of the different places like this weekend, the application a lot was to us as a church family. Mm -hmm. And you can imagine the, in a sense, the opposite of humility is privilege, where I I think I deserve, I think I should go first, my preference should win. And you just play that out in a a group of people, whether it be in a a small group, whether it be in in a larger area or just a church at large, there's no way everybody's preferences can win. Right. It's just full chaos. So it's got to be this sense of how do I step back and value others ahead of myself. But man, some of the rich ways beyond even the church relationships are obviously in our homes. And like you just mentioned too, as a parent, how we, we get this unique opportunity to display something like Jesus in all of his power, setting that aside, not wielding that first, leading with power. When we love our spouses and when we love our kids in a way that demonstrates, I'm not here to have to power you into a decision, but I'm going to not only love you and I'm not only going to share with you, but I'm going to demonstrate humility and, and service to you first rather than I get my way. And I just think there's so many great applications of, like you said, this idea of if I will recognize that I don't need to go first and that what's most important isn't me in the Mm -hmm. equation. And imagine multiple people thinking the same way. You almost get those funny scenarios. No, no, you go first. Right, like the four-way stop. Yeah, no, you go first. (laughs) Yeah. So, and it's a great problem to have. Yes, right. It's better than everybody driving into one another, right? (laughs) And that seems to be... One of the common aspects of, of living life in our world, right, that is very similar to the Philippian world, which was actually being known as powerful, being known as privileged, being known as prominent is what makes you or gives you identity mm-hmm. in that culture. We, you know, we talked at the very beginning of the, of the uh, series about this idea that it's a, it's kind of a little Rome it's mm-hmm. this picture of the Roman world, the Roman Empire, which represented power, 
and privilege and opulence and honestly just violence and that's one of the interesting aspects of this poem even because violence was common in the roman world i mean they they entertain themselves much like like our culture does right with movies and everything else violence being a form of entertainment and that's what's so interesting about this this passage where it kind of hones in and focuses down on this death of christ even death on a cross a violent death yes which was violent which was i mean talk about i guess making condescending right it making someone feel like nothing yeah yeah not just killing them but i'm going to make you feel like nothing along the yeah, way. yeah public display of your weakness yeah. right your weakness on display you're 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 stretched out you're you're probably ri- all your clothes are ripped off and you're bleeding and you literally are gasping for every single breath yeah. and there's in our in our case of jesus there is this placard over him that says king of the jews mocking as the day is long right and and yet this wasn't something he was surprised by it wasn't something that he said oh um i don't want to go through that part father but he actually said i don't want to do this but your will be done and that that to me is such a testimony of the fact that almighty god creator god who loves his children and loves the people that he created and steps into their world then expects us to be also willing to die to ourselves a little bit yeah and so i mean even thinking through that picture of the cross you know todd when we think about humility and unity and you talked about division and discord being there you know if if that's not held on to that's again all the cars driving into each other causing yeah. division and discord because <laughs> nobody loves a fender bender yeah. so how do we i mean death on a cross is such a huge concept yeah we get it like it's painful it's harsh it's hard i don't know that i ever really get this this reality of actually how humiliating it was mm. and so like when would did that go through your mind at all in teaching this passage the idea of the humiliating nature of the death on a cross yeah well, let me give you a tangential, a parallel mm-hmm. to that. I was thinking, you know, Pastor Tom, on more than one occasion, I remember him saying this great line and that was, you know, most people don't mind being a servant, mm-hmm. but what they really mind is being treated like one. Right. Right. And and I feel like that kind of plays into this part of the conversation mm-hmm. is because if, if, if humbling myself back to that idea of how you, uh, and humility and humble look yeah, a lot alike in right. English, right? But the idea of humbling myself might not be so as difficult if I sensed everybody else was yeah. mutually, right? right. Mutual mm-hmm. humility. But the problem is, is that never in the text does it say, just like in marriage, well, once the other person does, yeah. then you go ahead right? It's always telling us to go first, regardless of their reaction. And I think that's what's so hard in community and in church, is that in order to walk in humility, it means an expectation that other people are not going to be obedient, right. at least at that same moment. They might be in other times, but today they're going to come at odds, and I'm going to be made to feel 
the servant rather than just being willing to serve. Because I think about Jesus going to the cross and you think about this idea of this humiliation that he, he went through. The reality was it wasn't just death. It wasn't just right. his life being taken, but all the other parts of it, those um, Jewish leaders who'd been after him for months, if not years, spite in his face. And why don't you just call on your father yeah, now? Feeling you know? victory over yeah. him almost. And, yeah. and all of the weight of not just the physical agony of being whipped and then crucified, but then the mocking on top of it. And I think what it just reminds us of, and, and what is Paul's whole point? In your relationships, your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus, who, there's our, yeah. our poem. So it all comes back to if Jesus, our leader, our Savior, our Lord, has done this for us, the ultimate, to what degree would I say, oh, but not that? Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like that, That's too much humiliation. Yeah. That's too much giving and serving. Cost too much. Yeah. Right? cost too much and and that is one of the hardest parts of i guess the christian walk is we know the example that we're supposed to follow this this poem makes it very very real and clear that it is it's a complete humbling of ourselves never thinking of ourselves more highly than than others and putting them first i mean that's what verses one through four of chapter two is kind of all about that Mm. And then you just mentioned it, chapter or verse five, being like-minded or having the same mindset as Christ. It really is an attitude. Yeah. Um, in the original word, this idea of an attitude that doesn't perceive all of the other things, but it's having the same av- attitude so that you can come together. Yeah. Um, and and that's why that unity piece is so important and and so integral to it all. When we think of you know, kind of moving on from there, he, he was humiliated on a cross. And then that gives way to verses 9 through 11. So I'm just going to read those real quick. It says, Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And so we see that, you know, that last point of the message, exaltation follows humiliation. Won't always be true for us. Mm -hmm. In this case, obviously it was, but it wasn't recognized by anybody except, what, 120? You know, like Mm -hmm. when you think about it, right? When Jesus ascended, we don't know how big the crowd was. Yeah. But it wasn't huge. And so there was those, because it doesn't say he will be recognized, but actually he was, right? He was given that position because of that death and so how do we todd see him as exalted what are what are some practical ways where i can say okay now i i see him exalted and what are some rhythms that i can do that help me remember the exaltation of christ because he is the one that i'm actually supposed to emulate and follow and know that i will be with him for eternity and that you know even as a few weeks ago we talked through that idea of yeah. of, of heaven in this new heavens and new earth we will be with him yeah and and nobody will be acting out of selfishness yeah. so what are some practical ways for me to hold up his exaltation so that i can then live out his his humility yeah well, i was thinking as you were asking the question one thing that comes to my mind in a weird way just related to perception is when i think of the cross 
you see people all the time with necklaces, jewelry uh-huh. in some ways, demonstrating the cross. And it just means a lot of things to a lot of people nowadays. Yeah. But we would know that it it definitely is a link back to Jesus dying on a cross. And what's powerful to me is that the mode, not just of execution, but the mode of humiliation. Think mm-hmm. of think of other groups on the planet, religious groups, whatever, who might have an, someone they emulate. And, and if their leader were mocked and crucified, the cross is the last thing they right. would want to lift up. Yeah, you wouldn't hold You'd that go, up well, let's a... talk about all the uh-huh. other parts of his life, you know, yeah. and miracles or great teachings yeah. or whatever. But we go, no, it's it's Jesus is all those things, but it actually is at the cross that blood is spilt and atonement is made. And therefore, we we honor it, we exalt it, and we don't look at it as something that's shameful or something that, oh, he was defeated or yeah. he, he did fail. You know, his mission right. wasn't completed. We go just the opposite, mission accomplished. And the cross is something that we rightfully, more than just a piece of jewelry, but should constantly think of, is um, an icon that's exo- that demonstrates Jesus being exalted, though it was incredibly humiliating yeah. for what he faced. So I think in just perception, that's one thing that comes to mind. I think in other ways, it goes back to what you said, there are going to be things in our lifetime that we will potentially face humiliation for being obedient, but in doing so in this lifetime might never see that rewarded, might never see that ever be of significance or value. And I think it goes back to trying to continue to reflect on the reality of eternity. That if I can keep coming back, I was just processing this the other day in some other relationships and thinking about people who are dealing with something that could be lifelong for the rest of this life and trying to process and it might it would take time to get there i'm not saying this is the first reaction but to process but god because of what you've promised me in your word that though i might have this difficulty or this challenge for the next decades of my life not just even a few months or years but in light of eternity that's going to be okay because I know that my future with you is secure and your promise stands. And I think there's just something about that that helps us to keep pressing on when we reflect on the promises of Jesus. That though, and, and we'll, you and I have interacted with people before, we've been so blown away by the fact that they get it. Mm-hmm. And in the midst of debilitating diseases or devastating losses, yeah. they keep going. And because they are completely convinced that Jesus was right and Jesus promised to them and he's going to be good for it. And I think that that reality doesn't come out of just optimism. It's really believing that Jesus is who he says he is. Yeah. And even thinking through that same lens, right? Paul's writing this from prison. Paul's dealing with all of the aspects of, um, I mean, I, I don't think it's any different back then. Being in prison is a little hum- humiliating, yeah, right? Just the concept. <laughs> even if you're not mm-hmm. guilty, yeah. it's just like, oh, I was. I, I was spent time. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And so, I mean, this this guy's writing this, and we don't know for sure whether he kind of penned this or if this was an old um, kind of just a a creed almost of the first century church. Um, But we have it out of Philippians and Paul, you know, writing it down and using it within his argumentation. So let's just say Paul wrote it. 
And Paul uses something that, that is normal for Paul. That is, he quotes the Hebrew Bible, the Old Testament. Mm. And he says, look, that was talking about Jesus. Yeah. And yeah, he and you talked about that kind of that idea of he is God and he is man, and and that's heightened by this Isaiah passage. Um, We don't have time to explore all that. You did a good job exploring that in the message. So if you haven't watched it, go watch it. But that idea of um, quoting the scriptures in order to heighten the reality of the scriptures in our own life is something that Paul does so often. Yeah. And the reason it was so important even for God to call him, I think, Paul as the apostle to the Gentile world, uh, a Jew of all Jews, as he, as he claims to be, he right? And rightfully and so. Mm-hmm. And, and he'll even explain even more of that in Philippians. But this idea that he, he knew the Bible, the, the Hebrew Bible, the Torah, like the back of his hand. And all over he's seeing Jesus jumping out. Yeah. And he's seeing beyond just Jesus, Jesus, the, the name Joshua, common name in the first century. It wasn't a special name. But Christ, this title, this title of the empire and the emperor, the king, if you will, this was the messianic promise, the, yeah. the Christ, the anointed one. And that's what's so fascinating about this uh, passage. He quotes out of, of um, Isaiah chapter 45, and he says, every tongue will confess every knee is going to bow down in acknowledgement that Jesus Christ is Lord. He is above all things. Um, direct kind of opposition or kind of poking at Caesar, right? Because mm-hmm. Caesar would also have been called Lord, yeah. Kurios. He would also have been called Savior, which mm-hmm. will come up later in the book, chapter 4. So there's this, this constant thing that i think is true of the christian life the more you wash your mind with the word of god the more it heightens the reality of who he is yeah and that's something that sometimes we miss because it's very hard to read through this you know and even know what it's referencing all the time because it's complicated um and it's very old and we don't get all the references but man, the Lord starts to reveal through the Holy Spirit how those fit together and that this God Almighty is Jesus and Jesus is God. Doesn't mean there's no Father and there's no Spirit, but it does mean that we are heightening Him when we recognize Him and we worship and exalt Him in our lives. That will push into us humility and it'll push in us this promise of the future Absolutely. that we'll be exalted with Him. Yeah. And so I look forward to that day. And I know you do. And so we're so grateful that you joined us. um, And forget, don't forget, join us for church this weekend. And uh, we'll see you next time.